Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Alright, when we started talking about a revival culture and pioneering the revival culture, um, one of the first questions that popped up was, how do I believe? And as we've been talking about a revival culture, I mean, we're talking about a perfection according to Ephesians 4 that says, until we all attain the perfection even of Jesus Christ. I mean, that that's... Like we're talking about high jump, the bar is like up there, right? And and so oftentimes we feel, wow, but how can I even attain to that? And there's this pressure, like I was talking about, to actually attain to that. And how many of you know that when Jesus came, he changed something? In that before that, there were the Jewish nation, there was the Jewish nation, and those were the people of God. But the people of God became or were named something different after Jesus came. And that was the word believer. So to believe literally it describes the act or the response we have to Jesus, which is to believe. We know that the word Christian was actually an insult. So you know, they would mock the people who were trying to be like Jesus and they would say, ach man, these guys are little Christs, you know, trying to be like Jesus. That's how the secular world would mock them. But Paul writes and talks about believers. We are believers. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to be a believer and how it really is a heart thing. How many of you in the last week had a mind-to-mind discussion with your wife or your husband or someone in the office, right? (laughs) Benedine and I, we, yeah, but but what about a heart-to-heart discussion, (laughs) right? We we talk about a heart-to-heart discussion, but but very often we don't talk about a mind-to-mind, you know. If if we talk about a mind discussion, we say, I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind, right? (laughs) And we're not at all in any way expecting to receive back, okay? <laughs> so, so I see some guilty smiles going, oh, I had a mind discussion this week. And um, what we're trying to talk about is, is the heart's response to, to what God is doing. Um, and um, I'm really encouraged um, with regards to, to the word on believe because I think there is something funda- fundamental and powerful in being a believer and not just a Christian. You know, 85% of South Africa describes themselves as Christian, but how many of them truly describe themselves as believers? Because if you're a believer, you're going to respond and act differently. You're going to be indistinguishable from the world. You know, you're going to, is that the right word? Yes, yes. distinguishable. You, yeah, not indistinguishable. You, people are going to see you and go, this guy, something, this woman, something is there. I, man. And, and just there's a whole culture that God is building in our nation with regards to righteousness and with regards to Christ and with regards to the change that he makes on our lives. 
Um, oh, just I forgot. We are Rochelle at the back. I let Niva Baba cry. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, baby was born on Saturday last week. I just forgot to just honor you guys and just congratulate you guys. So, awesome. Cool. All right. So, I, as I was thinking about what a believer is um, and what a believer does, I realized there, there is a bit of a, a paradox or, or a, a, there's a difficulty in talking about believing because it's all about the heart. Yeah. And, and I can prepare a sermon and say we must do this and that and this and that, but that's just mind stuff. The, the heart is, is deep. It understands without words. It understands the nature of God without having to be told. It, it understands the fullness of God. We know that David, for instance, spent time in nature and he completely understood the heart of God without studying, you know, books and books and having debates. And it, heart, it's a heart thing. And so, this is what God is. This is, this, is, this is, he's trying to have that relationship with us. And a believer has a heart response, a deep heart response to God. And one of the first areas, I think, or I don't even know how to say this, but the character traits of a believer is a believer, number one, has revelation. And, and by that, I, I mean they, a believer is looking for the new. And Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm doing a brand new thing. How many of you are looking at a wilderness? Let's just see, all right? You don't have to put up your hand, but I'll describe a bit about what a, what a wilderness. I'm not talking about the Israelite wilderness where it's 40 years of suffering and pain. You know, that. I'm talking about where it just feels dry. How many of you have areas in your life where it just feels dry? And Yacharis just come up and he said, he wants to wash your heart with water. He wants to purify you with streams of living water. And yet God is saying, I will do a new thing. I will make streams in the desert. And he's not talking about the sand desert. He's talking about that area in our hearts. Remember, the word in the scripture is all about our hearts. We miss it when we look into the physical and we're waiting for the Western Sahara to be flooded with water. Instead of our own hearts flooded with the spirit of living water. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Will I not give you rivers? Of living water. And so sometimes we have a heart condition where we experience dryness and drought. 
And I want to dare say if that condition lasts for a long time, <laughs> it's often a sign or a symbol of unbelief. Because God says, I will do a new thing. So when you believe that God will do a new thing, you're not looking at physical evidence, you're not looking at your past, you're not looking at your history, you're not looking at anything that you already know because you've experienced it. Because the moment you're doing that to find an answer, you're not looking towards the Holy Spirit, you're not looking to God, you're not trusting for a new thing. Scripture says, I will give my people a spirit of revelation. 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 In other words, he will give his people the ability to understand the new things that God is doing. And David, knowing the heart of God, says he, he makes, what's, what's the right word? <laughs> He makes all things new. In other words, when the sun comes up in the morning, every single day. How many of you are very glad that there is a night every single day? All right? I watched the documentary on those people in Alaska. You know, they only have one day and one night. Six months of night, six months of day. It's the most bizarre thing to see lights on at noon. And it's fully dark and people are going to school and going to work. <laughs> and you know what, one of, the, one of the craziest things about that environment is the high levels of depression and hopelessness. Just the fact that God gave us a new, a new day. Just the fact that every 12 hours it changes. Every 24 hours you get to start brand new. Scripture says he gives sleep to his beloved. Man, sleep is designed to physically renew your mind. David wrote, he says, in the night seasons, my heart ministers to me. So even while you're sleeping, the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart and restores that which is broken. So that you can wake up in the morning and go, <laughs> it's a brand new day. Remember we talk about the Lego man. Good morning, wall. Good morning, bus. Good morning, whatever it is. What are the words, Crystal? If you would know. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's, everything is awesome. Because it literally is, when you wake up, nothing has happened that day before. But it's your heart condition that determines how the rest of your day is going to be. Let me say this, history only exists in your mind, it's gone, it's past. It really is. Whatever happened yesterday is gone. It can have no physical effect on you. But it's when we Tune our hearts in to say, wow, God, this is a brand new day. What will you reveal to me? Revelation is not a heavy word. It's a revealing. It's saying, God, I am curious to know more about you. I'm curious to know more about myself. And what will I learn about you today? Hebrews 13, verse 14 says, we have all become fellows with Christ and share in all he has for us. If only we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation firm and unshaken in the end. So there's this picture painted of a newborn baby. 
I, I think of Brendan, he is very confident. And when he can't get what he wants, he remains unshaken. <laughs> Much to our joy. <laughs> he adds a certain level of peace into the home. <laughs> when he can't get juice now. <laughs> Does he ask timidly? Does he come around the corner like... No, he goes to the fridge, slams it open, says, juice. And I am overcome with a sense of fear. <laughs> that if I don't hand over juice right now, the next 10 minutes are going to be gnashing and gnawing of teeth. <laughs> you see... <laughs> Strangely enough, what revelation does is it gives confidence. When you experience something for the first time, you have a certain amount of confidence because you are brand new in it. You are newborn in it. It's, a, it's, it's the other way around to what we think as adults, that something new should be scary. But that's really where God is calling us to, is to a complete change of heart so that we can like newborn babies be absolutely confident and afraid of nothing Brendan will jump off a cupboard if I tell him to because he's never experienced the pain <laughs> you with me <laughs> he got a little plastic bike and we've got a hill in our driveway and the first time he decided to go down there, he, he went. But behold, the speed wobble took over. <laughs> so now when the bike is in the same position, he gets off and he walks it down from experience. I'm amazed. I'm like, Lovey, do you see this kid's smart, man. <laughs> but you see, so many of the fears that we carry are from past experiences. And those experiences didn't necessarily come to us by God. They came to us because we live in a world that isn't perfect. A world that is not operating the way God designed it. And we have a speed wobble and then we say, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. And God right now wants to give you a spirit of revelation so that you're not looking at things based on the pain you've been through, but you're looking at things through what God is calling you unto. You're looking at every single day brand new. You're ready to get on your plastic bike when God says, get on your plastic bike. <laughs> is that good? Yes. Isaiah 65 says, For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come into mind. And that new heaven and new earth is what we get to experience right now. Jesus said, if you become born again, you will see the new heaven, the new kingdom. Revelations 21 says, <laughs> we will see a new heaven and a new earth. It happens when we become believers. 
That's really what it means to be a believer, is that I see things through the eyes of Christ. I see the new heaven and the new earth. You can go read John 3, the whole of John 3. Spend time reading about it. It's the man that comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be good? And Jesus just says, you need to be born again. And he says, how do I be born again? Go back into my mother's womb. He's talking about physically being born again. And Jesus says, if you don't understand what it means to be spiritually born again, you won't understand when I speak about a new heaven and a new earth. And so our hearts and minds are completely changed when we become believers, real believers, in the power of Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and in His resurrection. You see, He died, He left that old, so that those former things don't come to mind. And let me say this, when you become a believer, it really is a miracle that happens in your heart. Something happens where you don't have to think about it. You don't have to theoretically structure your belief or your understanding. But something changes in your heart. Something happens that's just... It's, you know what? It, it's called repentance. <laughs> that's actually what it's called. It's amazing, Harry. John the Baptist came, and he came saying, repent. It says, there appeared one in the wilderness. And what did he do? He baptized people in water. Come on. <laughs> in the wilderness, there appeared a man saying, repent for the kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth is at hand if only you'll see it and those people who streamed into the wilderness repented without having met Jesus Christ they repented because they knew that what they lived in was old what they lived in was not how it was designed to be what they lived in was not fullness of life and they ran into the I mean just think about it yeah are people running out of towns into the wilderness. Into water. As John baptized them and said, repent. Change the way you think. Allow God to change your heart so that you can be completely transformed. They had a revelation. And one of the greatest revelations was Jesus being baptized. And as he came out of the water, this voice came and said, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. See, that's the greatest revelation you can have. Is the voice of God having come up out of the water, having come up in repentance, saying, God, I don't want to think the way I've been thinking. I don't want to act the way I've been acting anymore. I want to be completely changed. God says, this then is my son with whom I am well pleased. <laughs> He's not waiting for you to die so that one day in the courts of heaven he will say, this is my servant in whom... No, no. 
the moment you repent, God says, I am pleased with you. And that changes the way you think. So that you're not acting for a reward, but you start to behave out of the reward of God's goodness in your life. It completely transforms everything we do. And this is why we say, we, man, Zion 9 says, of the increase of God's government, there'll be no end. I, I will say that at every single Sunday, <laughs> because it's a foundational belief. But what we're experiencing is the increase of the influence of the kingdom of God on earth. And that increase will never end. It's a graph that just keeps growing and growing and growing. And just for a moment, and this is what I always say, I say just for a moment, imagine if every person you meet is a full-on believer in the power of the saving grace of God. The prophecy, you know, Isaiah prophesied and says, there will be a day when no man will have to say, no God. It says in Habakkuk 2, it says the waters, I mean the glory of God, the knowledge, the, the understanding of the full glory of God will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. Just think about what that means. Think about when you turn on EWN, they're just not going to have anything too bad to say. You're not going to have to fear anyone. You're not going to have to be afraid of anyone. You're not going to be worried about what school you send your kids to. Heck, Brendan is going to ask politely for water. <laughs> and I'm going to say, go well, my son. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, that's <laughs> Do you understand that there's a power as we gather in congregations, as we gather in churches, that, that that increase is taking place. None of you are afraid of the person next to you in church, right? I hope not. I hope you're not thinking, I hope he doesn't steal my Bible or something. <laughs> All right. So repentance does something in a believer. And the second point, the second character trait of a believer is a believer is fearless, a believer is hopeful. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't fret or have anxiety about anything. About anything, alright? So, so, nothing, alright? But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God and God's Peace which transcends all understanding will guard over your hearts and over your minds. See, a believer is not afraid of, say, anything. <laughs> All right. So, are you a believer? <laughs> All right. So, that's part of what he comes and washes out of our hearts. We can't do it. He comes and washes that fear, that anxiety. He comes and cleans it out of your heart. I've tried to mentally get fear out of my mind and it doesn't work. I, 
I know what it feels like to be afraid. I know what it feels like to be, what's the word, um, illogically, irrationally afraid. Two years of my life I spent not able to sleep at night from fear. Making sure my door is locked three times in my room. And then security gate. And then, do you understand? That one night I grabbed my wife and pushed her into a bathroom and said, they're outside, they're coming to get us. And then 20 minutes later, another car drove past and I saw, oh, those shadows was just a car and, and, and branches, right? And back then, that was big fear, man. And then our first child gets born. And now I can't leave my bedroom door locked anymore. So, God, will you do something in my heart, please? And he did it. I don't sleep afraid anymore. Go to bed full of peace. God gives sleep to his beloved. Come on. Pray that angels protect your house. That angels watch over you and over your children. Because you're a believer. <laughs> you don't have fear. In it. I'm, I'm not, you're not reckless. But you know that God loves you and he watches over you. And he protects you. And you know, you can even go into the midst of battle. You can even go into the most dangerous I'm not saying you should right now, but all right? It's not what I'm saying. We have a captain of the police visiting us, all right? So she would advise not going into a dangerous position, all right? <laughs> but whatever situation you're in, God is protecting your heart. You see, the scripture says, don't be afraid of him who can harm the body. But be very afraid of him who can ruin and wreck your soul. We're talking about hearts here. God, God wants your heart not to be afraid. Meaning you can be in the worst situation and God's courage comes over you. Stephen is just such a great example of that in Acts. They're about to stone him. They're about to kill him. And what does Stephen see? He says, I see the heavens opening up in front of me. Not to absorb him, not preparing for his death, as you might read. But the heavens opened in front of Stephen so that he could proclaim the new kingdom in their midst, fearlessly and boldly. That's what he did. He comes to give you. So, man, let's take this to whatever business situation you're facing, whatever financial crisis you're facing, your children growing up in your home, your marriage, your work situation, fear of driving, fear of flying, whatever it is. God has come to give you a brand new heart so that you can be absolutely fearless and in purity confident that he has given you a new day, that he can give you 
Not give you anything. What I'm trying to say is he's made a new day. Scripture says nothing is impossible for those who love and believe. Okay. For the rest, brethren, whatever is pure, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemingly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think about those things. Fix your mind on them. See, you can either try and think about those good things, or you can allow those good things to live and be alive in your heart. Does that make sense? Does it make good sense? All right, I'm, I'm rushing on because I know we're going to spend a long time if I don't. To be able to think continuously on good things, you need to have a living relationship with the Word. So the Word is Jesus. <laughs> All right? Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word and He came and dwelt amongst us. He, he is... The world, the whole universe was created through Jesus, through the power of, of him, through his knowledge, through his understanding. Everything we see and know was created by the word. And oftentimes people have a relationship with the Bible in the following, the following way. Their Bible becomes their Christian facts book. And the Bible is not a facts book. See, when we go to the Bible and look for facts, we go to the Bible, we go to the Word with our minds, trying to prove something. But the Bible is absolutely worthless and useless without a relationship with Jesus. These are Jesus' words. He looked at the Pharisees and he says, you're trying to find life in the scriptures and you'll never find it because you don't know me. The Bible does three things. The word does three things. It stimulates, that's revelation. And it encourages, that is, it protects. And thirdly, <laughs> it charges. That's what the word does. Charges by him. I mean, it, it, it gets your bum moving. <laughs> it gives direction. It pushes with influence. That, that's what it means to be charged by the word. In other words, you've got the word behind you and you're like, I'm going to do this. Because the word has spoken to me. I, I want you to see that the word is not a fact file. It is your relationship with Jesus Christ literally held in your hands. I have a personal relationship with the word. I'll give you an example. Psalm 23. Though Daniel walks through the valley of the shadow of death, Daniel will fear no evil. And then, oh, I'm in a valley of fear and I, and I happen to walk through it. And, and suddenly, that scripture has more historical significance because Though Daniel went through the valley of the shadow of death on, let's say, the 15th of January, 2019, I didn't, Daniel didn't fear because he saw no evil. So suddenly, I have a 
personal relationship with the word. And, and then my name gets written into the book of life. Because every time I read the word, I am reminded of my personal testimony and my relation to the word. You see, the word is worthless unless there is a living, walking relationship with it. Unless you can start filling in your name in scriptures <laughs> and seeing how that relationship with Jesus bore fruit. This is not a pride and an arrogance thing. This is, you know, for me, Jeremiah 31 is a scripture that stands out because Back in 2005, Daniel, whose second name is Watchman, read a scripture that says, Watchman will cry out, let us go up to Zion, let us go to a place of praise. And that word has been with me for 15 years as a prophetic word. And two years ago, Daniel started on Wednesday night saying, let us go to a place of praise. It, that, um, it's my personal testimony. And Daniel went to a land of vineyards, to the coastlands. Do you understand? I, I read Jeremiah 31 a lot differently to the way you read it. Because it, it is a living, real testament, a relationship. I read John 3.16, for God so loved Daniel that he sent his only begotten son, that when Daniel believes in Jesus Christ, Daniel will not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus didn't come to judge Daniel. He came to make the world safe. So that Daniel, you get it. Do I have to go on? What's your testament? What, what is your, as a believer, what is your personal relationship with Scripture? Can you testify to them? Can you talk about Scriptures and say, those areas influenced my life in the following way? Instead of getting into a debate with Mr. So-and-so who knows nothing about the heart of God, and you're trying to prove to him that Scripture means this and that and this, it won't. He'll never hear it. Because even the most learned, scriptural, you name it, Pharisees and whatnots, knew nothing about life. Because they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, verse 2 to 3. For indeed we have these glad tidings. Oracles is actually a word used, thanks. Living scriptures, living words. We have these living words. Proclaimed to us just as truly as they, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones who heard it. And in brackets in my Bible, it highlights Joshua and Caleb. And so, yeah, the 12 spies go and they come back and only two of them saw the kingdom and understood the heart of God 
for their people. See, history repeats itself over and over and over and over and over again. We can believe what we want about ages and this age and that age, but let me tell you what, history is just repeating itself over and over. Ecclesiastes talks about the fact that the, the sun rises and the sun sets and it's all meaningless and it's all worthless and Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon from the point of view of someone who has zero, no more relationship with God. And when you read Ecclesiastes, you as a Christian can get a viewpoint into faith and belief without faith and belief. Does it make sense? There he writes, it's worthless and it's meaningless and it's just this and that. And I look at that and, and it, actually God is painting a picture of what today's society is going through. It's exactly the same as 2,000 years ago. See, without God, man just wanders along in the wilderness, not knowing where to go, full of doubt, unsurety, insecurities, fears, all of those things. They, they just manifest the same stuff. The same immoral things that are taking place today happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's nothing new. There is nothing new to be afraid of either. And that's the funny thing. People who are in fear are always afraid of new things. Once they, in their minds, can understand and overpower a fear, they're just afraid of the next thing. What is the opposite? It's to have new faith every day through a living relationship with the Word. For he who has once entered into God's rest, and that rest just speaks about a relationship. <laughs> See, God worked for six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. He, he rested, not so that he, you know, the message that comes from that is not that it was hard labor, and it, he, God really, he, he really struggled for six days to create the earth. I, I mean, it must have been so hard, you know, just speaking. Like, let there be light. In, and, and, and let the waters be separated from... I mean, that must have been really hard on God. I mean, he must have grafted. And then he rested. I mean, and everyone goes, oh, that's so nice. No, he, he rested. In other words... He rested to take a step away from creating so that he can actually have a relationship with that which he created. It's Brendan's birthday today. Bernadine spent more time baking the cake than eating it. <laughs> See, you've got to get to a point where you actually can have a relationship with the cake. <laughs> Ladies, gents, all right? There's a relationship that happens between, you like, you look great. I like smooth, round edges. That looks like thick icing you have there. <laughs> and you have a relationship and then there's this moment we enjoy. How many of you have ever eaten a cake and thought, this thing took me eight hours to make? 
I was up until three in the morning making you I hate you cake. <laughs> see, see, God, see, if you, if you don't see things in the kingdom, then it's funny enough, you think God created the earth. And there's a lie in church, it's called dualism, which says that what you see physical is evil and, and what is good is spiritual. And it's a lie by those who cannot believe that God created you to have a good relationship with you. You see, God didn't create the earth and then go, yes, this place sucks. He created it and then he said, it is good. And he created man and he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Man, I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to rest in the greatness that I have created. This is the pinnacle of all of my creation. It is the ultimate. There is nothing better than what you see before you. And the serpent came and confused man and said, did God really say? And death entered the world only through unbelief. And every wicked thing we as man see comes from unbelief. And it's about time we start saying, if it's wicked, it's unbelief. But if it's good and it's God, it's belief. <laughs> and I will believe. You see, a person with a kingdom mentality no longer tries to fix that which is broken. But he looks at what God has done that is good and he says, God, do it again. And he looks at God's original design, which he can only feel in relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, will you do that again? Will I be in a spirit of revelation? And will I have a living relationship with the word? In other words, will I not be afraid? But will I always be hopeful? All right, the third point is my longest point. How much time have we got left? Yeah. Just kidding. A believer prophesies, number three. And that's the charging we spoke about. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as truly the word of God, because that's what it is, which is effectively at work in you who believe and exercise its, I love this, superhuman power in those who adhere to it and trust in it. Superhuman power. And that superhuman power, right, this is my Bible, yeah? It's not, right? It's, <laughs> right? God gives power to his believers. It says light has come into the world through Jesus. But then he says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brethren. So you are my brethren. In other words, we're on equal standing on earth. And then Jesus says, you are the light. So when we say light has come into the world and darkness cannot overpower light. He's talking about a nature that believers have to always overpower and to always overcome. 
When you're not a believer, you're a human, but when you become a believer, you become a superhuman. All right? Say, I am superwoman, superwoman, superman. All right? If you're a man, I'm superman. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, that's my Bible. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 in the Amp, right? In the Amplified. You become a superhuman. And a superhuman gets to do things that others don't. And what is it that he gets to do that others can't? He gets to change the atmosphere. That's what makes you a superhuman. Come on, I've been saying this for months now. Don't be that guy at the bride who has the worst story to tell as you pass the bride tongue. Don't be that guy. When it gets to you, you're like, yes, man, I just want to tell you guys about what God is doing right now. And you can see the guys are going to put down their beers. They're like, what? Okay, silly example. But you get to change the atmosphere. That means regardless of what you and your family and your business and your corporation, whatever is going through, when it's your turn to speak, you prophesy. Now prophesy does not mean, listen to this, the definition of prophesy doesn't necessarily mean you are now going to give a word of knowledge and foretell the future. But prophecy by definition is inspired teaching of the word of God. And how can you give inspired teaching of the word of God? By having a relationship with the word of God. So that means that when you speak the word of God, you inspire and uplift whoever is amongst you in your presence. And by so doing, you change the atmosphere. See, you can see how the word of God has an effect on earth. You can see with your eyes what the word does, how it influences, how it changes. And I want to talk a bit about the word grace right here in this moment because <laughs> we don't understand what grace is. Grace is not just the forgiveness of sins and the cutting it out and the washing of it. it grace is actually the reinstating of the creative power of God in a situation where there has been death. And Ezekiel walks out onto a field of bones and he stands in a field where men's skeletons are lying all around. Try to tell our kids the story and they're like, what? <laughs> Dry bones. And God says, do you believe these bones can live again? And Ezekiel says, God, I only know what you know. Do you hear what he said? I only know what you know. In other words, I only understand what you have given me in relationship, what you have given me through the word. I only understand through my relationship with you. God, <laughs> I only know what you know. And God says, well, 
Now take that knowledge and prophesy. Speak to the dry bones and tell them to live. And here Elijah, Ezekiel stands and he starts to prophesy. And, and he says, there came a roar as the bones got back into position. And they formed themselves back into shape. And, and, and I just see that as a prophetic picture of God recreating, starting, yeah, starting at the foundations. At the very foundation places where if you've been through stuff and your life has been broken by whatever unbelief or by whatever situation, God is willing to dig the foundations again and rebuild right from the beginning. Give you a space where he can put those sinews and the bones and the muscles back together again. And he stands and he's seeing these bodies reformed. And then Ezekiel says, but God, they don't have your spirit. I mean, by then I would already have been like, <laughs> Exactly, a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and there he's like, man, they don't have your spirit, God. I think maybe he was afraid. He was like, okay, these dead people don't have your spirit right now. God, help me. God says, prophesy, speak life. And the spirit of God fills him again. And Jesus is there, and he, he's got the Sermon on the Mount. And, and for the first time, I realized he was prophesying. Because yes, yes. Yes. you see, a, a believer is, is confident. A believer is full of confidence. And if there's anything that makes you unconfident, th these are the bones that, that we're dealing with here. And so some of them are, you're afraid, you're depressed, you're doubtful, you're fearful. Maybe you're indefinite, you're meek, pessimistic, sad, shy, timid, uncertain. These are just all the words that mean the same thing as not being confident, the opposite of being confident. And Jesus is there and he, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I read that and I thought, well, then I better become poor in spirit. See, I was, I was reading it with my mind and not understanding the heart of God and not understanding the heart of Jesus. And actually, Jesus is sitting and he's saying, if you're poor in spirit, I'm going to prophesy something opposite to that. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Changes the atmosphere. And then it says, Blessed are those who mourn. And then he changes the atmosphere and he says, For you will be comforted. It, it's not saying, Thou shalt mourn and then thou shalt be comforted. Now he's saying, 
those who are mourning, let's bless them so that they can be comforted. Wow. It's just completely different. Blessed are the meek. And I thought that meant I need to become meek. Because Jesus was very meek, you know. No, I'm, I'm kidding, that was a joke. You see, I, I read blessed are those who are meek and then immediately I see pictures of Jesus throwing over the tables. And saying, this house will not become a den of robbers. And he didn't ask them nicely to leave. It says he got a whip. He said, get out of here. I'm, even I'm saying it a thousand times nicer than he said it. You see, so many people believe the lie that by being a Christian means you need to be soft and fluffy. And that the world must shape you and form you and decide things on your behalf. And it's better just to accept whatever comes your way. Because you know what, I'm just going to be meek right now. No, 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 Jesus is prophesying and he's saying, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth. What? <laughs> he's, he's prophesying. Do you know why the crowds followed him? Because here the meek are sitting and they're receiving life for the first time. For the first time. They're not being presented religion with a controlling spirit that says you must do this, 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 and this to just be accepted. For the first time they're hearing the prophetic word that says if you're meek, you're blessed. Because right now I'm going to prophesy, you are going to inherit the earth. Let me tell you what, there were meek people in that crowd that from that day weren't meek anymore. They're going to inherit the earth. They, they were going to go into situations, into business meetings, and make decisions they were too afraid to make. And stand up and say things that they were too afraid to say. They knew that they had righteousness in them, but they subjected themselves to the ways of the world. 400 years, God hasn't spoken to a person. What do you think that religious system looked like without a single breath from God? <laughs> what do you think it looked like? There was no relationship, nothing. God was absent from earth for 400 years. And then there was a voice in the wilderness saying, repent. Because the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The difference has come. It is now here. That The change has finally arrived and people are going and they're receiving. And Jesus is saying, come. Do you know the context? Sorry, I was actually finished with my sermon right there. But <laughs> Do you know the context of the scripture? Come to me all who are thirsty. Do you know what the context of that is? 
I think I stand correct to be corrected, but when the Jews celebrate the life of Esther, they first go into mourning for a week. I really stand corrected. I'm not sure which festival it was, but I think it's that one. And at the end of that week, currently even today, they get all quiet and they wait for the priest to declare the time of suffering over. And on that day, where everyone is supposed to be silent and ash on their backs and all mournful and mourning, in that quietness, Jesus gets up in the temple. In the temple. And he shouts with a loud voice to all these people going through a false religious activity of mourning. He stands up and he shouts. If anyone is thirsty, come to me. And they're fasting. They're not allowed to drink anything or eat anything. And I will give you streams of living water. <laughs> and he's calling them out of these religious things that just mean nothing. He's saying, come, let me give you streams of living water. Let me give you life that you didn't know you could have. And he starts to prophesy. That's the power of the believer now. God gives us that same power. We get to stand up in the midst of a broken world and say, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is mourning, if anyone is meek, if anyone is afraid, you're blessed. I bless you with the power of, because you're a superhuman, right? And you carry a prophetic spirit and you carry a voice that gets to change the atmosphere and you get to proclaim the opposite of darkness. You get to bring life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be completely satisfied. Prophetic word. Are you hungering and thirsting? Not, not, not religiously, I'm hungering and thirsting. No, you're so desperate to see righteousness. You will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall themselves obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the makers and the maintainers of peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for righteousness', righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things. Come on, not... not I am offended right now because someone said all kinds of evil things. About, no, you're blessed. In fact, that's what you say. I am blessed 
Be glad and supremely joy, joyful for your reward in heaven, in the kingdom, is great. Amen. Awesome. Let's stand and just receive what's been spoken. <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, that your presence, your spirit is so real. We thank you, Father, that as believers we can receive your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've come to fundamentally change us from the inside out. That you work in the deepest place of our hearts, even those places we ourselves can't go to. Father, you're there. And you're bringing healing and you're restoring hope and you're giving us vision deep inside our hearts. Your deep cries to our deep. And your spirit rests upon us and we're baptized in your presence. And your word says that when we come up out of the water, you are so well pleased with us. Lord, thank you that your word encourages, that your word gives hope, that your word restores, that your word guides us. But Father, I ask, Lord, that we will have a real relationship with you. Lord, that your voice will speak louder than the voices around us. That even when we don't know what to do or what to listen to, Lord, that your voice will come through and say, here I am. I am with you. You are my chosen one. <laughs> Lord, and we'll listen to that voice and we'll respond. Father, I pray, Lord, that we'll read our Bibles completely differently, Lord. That all of us here will be given the ability and the, and the power even to see your word. To, be, to have your word revealed to us in new ways. Thank you, Lord, that you said this is a year of discovering more of God's greatness. Of discovering more of his nature. And so, Father, we just believe that as we open up the word, you'll speak to us directly. That you'll give us answers in season at the right time. That with the power of the Holy Spirit, we won't have to worry about what we're going to say in advance, but that your Spirit will be on us to speak truth at the right time, at the right place. Thank you, Father, that you're transforming businesses, you're transforming families, you're transforming marriages. Thank you that you're transforming our schools, you're transforming our nation, you're up, uplifting our economy, that the effect of those who have a kingdom mindset will be seen even in our economy, and that, that we can experience your hope for a future. Your word says, what would have become of me if I had not believed? I will see your goodness in the land of the living. And we declare that in Jesus' name, that we will see your goodness. We take the words of Jesus that said, blessed. <laughs> We're blessed. We're blessed, and we will see your kingdom at hand, and we will inherit the earth. We will not mourn, but be joyful. You'll come and comfort us and guide us. We thank you that you've stirred us in such a powerful way. In Jesus' name, and all the believers say, Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.